to meet a blu-ray because you really 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 want to dare a movie at first we say no we're really all right but then we stop when you paypal a five oh the pot is crazy with the spooky's little movie like this Spookies! You are listening to the Dare Daniel podcast and song parody hour, where you send us your most sinister movie dares, and we suffer the consequences for your amusement. I'm Corky McDonald, local comedian. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> I'm Corky McDonald, local comedian, and I've got a leather top outfit on. With me, as always, is film critic Daniel Barnes. Hi, everyone. And Quirky, can I just say that I always love it when your intros are really long. Yeah. <laughs> really long. Love it. <laughs> just sitting here like an asshole. On this show, we do your dirty work by watching the most unwatchable movies you can imagine, and then we review and rate them using our unique system. Run-of-the-mill bad film, we'll give that a dare. Double dare goes to the truly atrocious movies, and we reserve the reverse dare, the hallowed, worldwide, respected, and renowned, the Peabody Award winning reverse dare for those despised movies that are actually pretty good today on the podcast we're reviewing the 1980s low budget cult hero movie spookies we're also going to read some movie dares sent in by our listeners but before we get started we're going to talk about the movie themed cocktail that daniel made this week yeah everyone seemed to like the themed cocktail that i made for deadly attraction the demon child um, so I thought, let's do it again. Um, I was kind of trying to think of a name for this bit, kind of a, a portmanteau similar to our use of Schmied. Um, so I thought, you know, it's a it's a podcast cocktail. Let's call them Podtails. Um, but that's dumb. So let's just call it a Cockcast. <laughs> this is a Cockcast. We're Cockcasting right now. We're both Cockcasters. We can say that. Um, and for these Cockcasts, I really want them to spring directly from the film that we're reviewing that week. And one of the characters in Spookies, in maybe my favorite scene in the movie, drinks from a bottle of brandy. So I knew I needed to make a brandy-based cocktail. And one of my favorite brandy cocktails is the sidecar. Now, the classic sidecar is made with cognac, which is a specific type of brandy, orange liqueur, lemon juice, uh, and an optional sweetener. Uh, Pretty simple cocktail, but I thought that for a film, which we'll talk about in our intro, Spookies, that is essentially two movies that have been sutured into one. So what I wanted to do is make you basically two sidecars in one. Two base spirits, two orange liqueurs, two fruit juices, two sweeteners, and even two different garnishes. And Corky, do you know what else is two things in one? A werecat. Mm, And that's why this is the Werecat sidecar. Nice. The Werecat. I used a lovely brandy from California Distilled Spirits, 
The movie was shot in Rye, New York, so I threw a little rye whiskey in there as well. Split the orange liqueur between Grand Marnier and Cointreau. Added a splash of OJ to the fresh squeezed lemon. And then split the syrup between simple syrup and cinnamon syrup. And I gave you both lemon and orange twists. Quirky, it's a drink that I think is um, chaotic, overstuffed, and pointlessly convoluted. And yet surprisingly palatable, not unlike... The film that inspired it. What do you think? Well, I just want to say, Dan, I love when you take so long describing your drink because uh, I sit over here like an asshole. Uh, right. But it gives me more time <laughs> to drink. And I think you're really missing a trick without, I mean, we could have, should have called this a werecock. Or a werecock. I mean, that, I'm doing that right, right? Doing that right? Have fun with it. Just have fun with it. Cat, cat cock. Cock cat. Uh, this is really good. Uh, it's it's uh, fruity, uh, sweet. And it, oh my god, I, I love the little dance it does on the back of my tongue. I gotta say, you're you're really showing your metal with these these cocktails. These are really good. This is like two home runs in a row. Well, thank you very much. You know, it's um, it it's kind of easy once you you figure out a base spirit, and then you can kind of work a cocktail around it. But this one had a like four or five conceptual overlaps with the movies. <laughs> like so the movie. that, that's how that's how I work, man. Corky dares. We need them. We need them. It's kind of built into the theme, the format of the show. It's right there in the name, guys. Mm-hmm. It's right there in the name. You really thought you could get by without daring us something? We have a dare this week. It is from my beautiful, beautiful wife, Darcy Self. What do you got for us, sweetie? She has Speed 2. They made a Speed 2? What? This movie came out in 1997. Of course, it was a sequel to the 1994 blockbuster, directed by Jan de Bont, who did direct the first film. Stars Sandra Bullock, Jason Patrick, and not Keanu Reeves, along with Willem Dafoe. Why, my dear, did you want to watch Speed 2? She says, it's summer blockbuster season, and what better way to celebrate than by watching the box office bomb, see what I did there, what? Speed 2, colon, Cruise Control. <laughs> The whole gang, <laughs> the whole gang is back together. Well, everyone that is still alive and who isn't named Keanu Reeves. So I guess really only Sandra Bullock is back and Glenn Plummer. Sure. Anyway, this looks like some fun hijinks on the high seas. <laughs> That's a good wordplay. Enjoy IMDb synopsis of Speed 2 colon cruise control. A computer hacker breaks into the computer system of the Seaborn Legend cruise liner and sets it speeding on a collision course. There's another uh, Dare Daniel reference right there. Into a gigantic oil tanker. You ever seen Speed 2 Cruise Control? No, I knew this was going to be bullshit uh, without even seeing it. I never watched this movie. <laughs> and what's really crazy is like, I love that the title, they built in how shitty it is. It's so good. Speed 2 I love- <laughs> Cruise Control. That's two opposite things. <laughs> Uh, they, no, they are. That is a classic case of a movie trolling itself. Yes, it's just like, yeah, this movie's on cruise control, guys. <laughs> this was a paid fucking vacation. You think anyone gave a fuck? We didn't focus the camera. Speed two, <laughs> slow down. Yeah. So, spoiler alert, Corky, you're going to get to catch up with Speed Two: Colon Cruise Control because that's going to be our next film. I uh, well, I can't wait to taste the sea breeze that we're going to be drinking with that. Contain your excitement, sir. Boat drinks. Boat drinks. Boat drinks. And now a feature program. (laughs) Spooky.
this film was sent to us, like literally, this dare was sent to us. It was mailed to me by Ryan Iltor <laughs> Terry, aka Professor Horror of the Forza Crowd podcast. And now you're cursed unless you uh, send it to seven of your friends, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I've watched it, so now in seven days, I'm probably going to die. <laughs> Ryan's dare came like this. This is the criminally underrated, obscure, schlocky movie that delivers everything you wanted and even that which you didn't know you needed out of a horror B-movie. Prepare to witness a monstrous creature effects extravaganza, a sheer spectacle of love for the American horror film. There is so much to talk about here because of the mind-blowing special practical creature effects and the troublesome production hell. Multiple directors, an historic location, and a monster a minute make this a must-see for horror fans. It's possibly the most lovable hot mess of a horror movie ever, and you will love every second of it. The IMDb synopsis? A wicked sorcerer tries to sacrifice a group of people inside his house with the intention of using their vitality to keep his wife alive. Daniel, speaking of lovable hot messes. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> yes, this week's film is Spookies. Quirky. This is episode 90. Episode 90 of our show. And this is not our first foray into the world of low-budget 1980s B horror. We have we've dipped in quite a bit. We've seen the good, which I would say Sleepaway Camp falls in there. We've seen the bad, Rawhead Rex comes to mind, and the utterly indecipherable Silent Night, Deadly Night Two, for example. Spookies is all of those things at the same time. It's also unique in that it's probably I don't want to say definitely, but probably the only low budget 1980s horror movie to have three directors, four writers. Five producers, two separate casts, two composers, two directors of photography, two production designers, two costume designers, about a half dozen visual effects supervisor, and even an additional material by credit. That's longest day type yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah. No sh- <laughs> that's, that's Torah, Torah, Torah. That's like we needed five directors because it was so fucking logistics. This is a low-budget movie shot in like one place. So how did we get here? Here's what we know. It started shooting in 1984 as Twisted Souls, co-written, co-produced, and co-directed by Thomas Doran and Brendan Faulkner. It was shot at the Jay Estate in Rye, New York. That's the childhood home of founding father John Jay. Quirky. And I know, yeah, founding fathers. Boo. Boo. We hate the founding fathers. Yeah, well, where would you be without the Treaty of Paris, asshole? Right. Ugh. Jerks. <laughs> Twisted Souls was shut down in post-production due to differences between the Money Men and the creatives. In 1985, the Money Men hired Eugenie Joseph to finish the film. Eugenie Joseph shot additional scenes with a new cast and edited them into the existing movie, which was retitled Spookies. Old scenes involve the people in the cars and most of the monsters they encounter inside the mansion. New scenes include most of the other characters, the birthday boy... The old warlock, the woman in white, the werecat, and most of the monsters they encounter outside of the mansion. What we're left with is an almost completely nonsensical barrage of sometimes bad, sometimes brilliant practical visual and makeup effects. And I have to give it credit. If you're into this sort of thing, it's a feast. Yes. <laughs> like pull yourself up to the buffet. Smorgasbordy. And I, so I could see why Ryan is a horror aficionado. Uh-huh. I think he called himself Dr. Horror. I, I totally get why you love this thing. Uh, Spookies was given a limited theatrical release by Sony Video Software Company in January 1987, grossing a little under 18000 before getting released later that year on VHS. It eventually found its audience on basic cable, most notably on the USA Network, and became the cult classic that it is today. 20 on Rotten Tomatoes. 
Only five reviews. No entry on Metacritic because of widespread snobbery. Corky, Katie Duggan of Take One Magazine defended the film, writing, quote, It delivers on exactly what its title promises. It overflows with spooky spirits and creepy creatures. What more could you ask for? However, counterpoint, Jenny Kermode of Eye for Film wrote, quote, Some B-movies are designed to be playful and entertaining. Some hit on a winning formula. By accident, Spookies misses on every level. Corky, in the epic, epic Lincoln v. Douglas debate of Katie Duggan versus Jenny Kermode, are you digging what Duggan is <laughs> laying down? Or do you think that Kermode went into Dermode? I would say <laughs> that I'm going to take one from Katie <laughs> and uh, Dermode went full Dermode because she, she's just wrong. I think everybody's yeah. wrong about this except for you. I think Thank you. I think Katie's wrong. I think Dermode is wrong. I think Ryan's wrong because uh, nobody would love every moment of this movie. You're, you can't love every moment. <laughs> just, but I think you nailed it by saying it's got great stuff. It's got awful stuff. Yeah. And it's all mishmashed together. And sometimes the really bad stuff borders on great. Absolutely. I want to ask you a question. Hmm. How far into it did you did you realize like, oh shit, this is like all totally separate? I think probably uh, maybe the third or fourth time we went back to the Warlock, that, and I was uh, like, this Warlock? looks some, this is like some Bella Lugosi Ed Wood. They shot this like six months later. Pull the strings, pull the strings. <laughs> I kept. I was like, why is that Werecat never getting in any fucking door? Like he has been right. creeping around that hallway for thirty <laughs> minutes, and I was like, oh shit, that's that's this is two different movies. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Returning to Ryan's dare, I did not love every second of this movie. However, I did like a lot of the seconds. Absolutely. Of the movie. I would make a comparison. This is maybe an odd comparison. I know I, may, I talk about Airplane a lot. Whatever. It's an important movie to me. But I feel there's something there. Like for fans of low-budget horror, this movie is what Airplane is to fans of comedy. It's not just like it's the best because a lot of stuff in the Airplane doesn't necessarily work, but it's the most. Like if something <laughs> doesn't work, there's another one in the chamber, right? Yes. And it's not just volume, but it's variance. It, you know, so in Airplane, you have broad slapstick, you have super offensive racial stereotypes, really easy stuff. And then you have wordplay gags, you have visual gags, you have more cerebral stuff, you have stuff that pays off right away, you have stuff that doesn't pay off until like an hour later. And sometimes all that's happening in the same shot. Spookies is the same way in that it has all the creatures. It has all the horror tropes that you could possibly want. And they just like throw them at you one after another albeit it is with basically non-characters wandering mm. through a non-story that makes no sense so not 100% for me a I'm not necessarily a horror guy so this kind of smorgasbord is as you called it is not necessarily going to be my favorite thing I also appreciate a little narrative coherence sure. a little character development couldn't hurt however I admire the hell out of it yeah me like, too it, it is go for broke just it, and a lot of these effects actually look really cool it was it was nightmarish because it just it kept not mm -hmm. making sense but kept getting worse uh, and it was relentless in that and in in yeah. very unique ways that you don't see in even big budget horror movies big budget horror movies can be the most boring because they're just mm -hmm. doing jump scares gore this was really inventive on a shoestring budget 
It really was. And really inventive with the, the ideas for the kills, the monsters. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, it, without a performance that I enjoyed, I mean, nobody in this was, <laughs> was worth a damn. But still, somehow, there was a movie that I was into the entire time. Yeah. All right, well, let's get started. Let's go. Spookies. We open on, appropriately enough, a graveyard and a crypt that is kind of like breathing, this sort of breathing crypt with chains around it. And we see this old white house uh, surrounded by this field of tombstones. But Well... A field of cardboard cutouts shaped like tombstones <laughs> placed all I mean, they did a lot of them too one of the, oh, yeah one of the, my favorite things in the credits though was the additional material buy yeah right. like that's like the fifth guy at the gangbang is that's his credit additional material provided by <laughs> oh there we see a man back to camera this is our sort of Bella Lugosi character mm-hmm. the warlock he's named Creon I had no idea only was with Creon until I read about it afterwards <laughs> but he's sitting by a coffin he has his back to the camera and he says I can wait no longer the final foolish victims will be here very soon once again we shall be together I don't know what accent that is nope. <laughs> it's like eight different accents at the same time it's bad but that's it that's our kind of setup we now meet Billy oh little Billy <laughs> Billy let me just describe Billy he's in he's dumb yeah Billy is a dumb dumb kid uh he's got a backpack he's wandering through the woods he's being on his birthday, he's being tailed by this monster who we just see has uh, teeth and purple skin. Uh, this is the werecat. Yeah. Who we, he just, he kind of just creeps around. He just creeps around. Can um, we describe the werecat real fast? Yeah, absolutely. He looks like Alan Cumming is Nightcrawler, who, but he got a job at like Long John Silver, where he got, or he got a job at Red Lobster, where he got, <laughs> has to dress like a pirate. Yeah, he's real fancy. Yeah, Nightcrawler dressed like a, a pirate-themed restaurant maitre d'. No, yeah. He, he he looks like he's working at the celebrity room while Jose Feliciano is playing. <laughs> Wait, Fargo reference. You got Come Jose on. Feliciano, you got no complaints. <laughs> you got no complaints, right? Uh, meanwhile, while this is happening in the woods... And this is the word of the show, meanwhile. Yes. Because it's it's constantly cutting back between two or two or three or four things that don't seem related at all and uh, aren't. Uh, meanwhile, two cars are traveling through the night. We see the driver in the first car. He complains about the guy in the other car, how he got them kicked out of the party, and now he's lost. And then we cut to the guy driving the second car, and he goes, what a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> These people do not belong together and this, oh my God, in this no. scene, in the next scene, in any scene in this movie, you you cannot figure out how these people came together. No, it's amazing. Like for for a group that is entirely white mm-hmm. and pretty much all the same age, this is the most diversely attired group in, yeah. in any. No one has ever dressed like this and hung out with <laughs> like each other. It's bizarre. So anyway, we go back to the woods, and there's Billy. Uh, and how do I know he's named Billy? Because he says. Here's to you, Billy. Happy birthday. Uh, and a creepo with sunglasses dressed head to toe in denim yeah. suddenly is in the woods talking to the kid. Just this is not a monster, <laughs> but he's the creepiest guy in the fucking movie. 
<laughs> Billy wishes himself a happy birthday, pulls a snowball out of his backpack and starts eating, which is the saddest birthday of it's all time. really sad. It's alone in the woods. So the creepo figures out that Billy's parents forgot his birthday, and he says, take my advice, kid. Go home. And Billy says, no way. I've got big plans. He do- He doesn't. No. He does not have big plans. And I was wondering, I was like, Billy, do those big plans involve getting those braces off? Because you're 13, you're going on your own, pal. Orthodontists are expensive. So Billy takes off after this encounter, and as he's leaving, the monster, with the werecat, really, slashes the creepo's face, and Billy walks away. Yeah, so Go we're back to, to the old man. when we say the monster, because you're going to get your pick of a, a oh, couple fair of enough. baker's dozen. Absolutely. So this was our first monster, which is the werecat, which is the purple guy who's been creeping around the woods. Uh, we go back to the old man. He opens the coffin, and we see inside a woman in white, yeah, um, dressed all to head to toe in white, um, still out, um, dead, presumably. Uh, Billy walks by a tombstone. He, he walks up to the house, the, the old white house that we've seen. And he walks past a, a tombstone that says... It's a, it's a huge, yeah, it's huge, huge white mansion. columns. Like I said, this is like our founding fathers. Yes. Like one of our founding fathers like grew up here. Um, so Billy walks by a tombstone that says, Life is so short, 1972 to 1985. <laughs> that's, that's dumb. I wonder if Too Short, that's where he got that album cover from where he's on the tombstone. Yes. <laughs> Life is too short. <laughs> so we go back to the cars. Um, there's a guy who just pulls out a puppet. Yeah, okay. He just pulls out a puppet. This is not Steve Buscemi. That's what I started calling this guy because he looks like he should be Steve Buscemi, but he has less charm than Mr. Pink. <laughs> yep. He's also wearing a t-shirt with an image of himself and the puppet <laughs> posing <laughs> yes, together. Right. He's going to be our comic relief for the movie. Oh, yeah. There's four couples and this guy and his puppet. So I guess five couples. Because you know that guy's fucking that puppet. They're very close. Very, very close. So the Nightcrawler, the purple monster, Werecat, he knocks a branch into the road and this starts the cars. So they have to get out and move the branch. Uh, Duke, who's the the driver of the second car, argues with... I didn't ever call his name. I just called him the the square. I called him the square. Peter is in his mid-40s. Uh, and he's with everybody else is in their mid to early twenties, except except for the guy with the puppet who's in his mid thirties. But still, how the fuck does this crew know each other? Uh, seriously, and so they Duke, fight the whole time. These people are they never are constantly happy. bickering. They really hate each other. Duke wants to party. He's like, let's party. We gotta find a. Party. We're in the middle of the woods. Let's go. Where's the party? Uh, but the square driving the other. Uh, Peter is not into it. They bicker a little bit, and then Duke just says, see you at the party. It's like, what <laughs> fucking party is that? This party is lamer than the Deadly Attraction party. So Billy, back to Billy, creeps, just walks into this house, knocks on the door, opens the door, then says, is anyone here? And walks right into this birthday party set up. Table, cake, and presents, and dolls, and all this other stuff going on. And a, a streamer's a, a sign that says, happy birthday, Billy. At which point he says, oh, they didn't forget. You can come out now. And I'm like, did you not just wander into a random empty house? Yeah. Why that? Like, why would you expect to see this here? That doesn't make any fucking I sense. I don't know. Billy's got some things going on because he sniffs one of his presents. Like, I've never <laughs> thought to do that. But 
This is a 13-year-old who sniffs <laughs> presents. So Billy's, you know, Billy doesn't see the world the way we see the world. He's not the sharpest tool of the shed. Let's just say it. Um, yeah, and there's a toy robot that suddenly comes to life. Yeah. And then he sets it on a chair and then turns around and suddenly the robot is like 10 feet behind him again. And he goes, funny, ha ha, like Billy... That wasn't a possible thing that just happened. <laughs> like, why are you not <laughs> fucked up by this? But this was, to me, this was kind of okay. This is kind of like urban legend kind of stuff where yeah. it's like, this is just a creepy tale that you would tell at a at a campfire. Right, And I was like, right. cool. I mean, it's not just one vi- version of scary stuff. Yeah, no. And, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to make sense. But no. boy, Billy comes across as quite stupid. Uh, yeah. Um. Meanwhile, we see another little boy, but this is a little boy who looks like the werecat, and he's dressed all in monk's robes, and he runs into the house, too. He look, Did you ever see that movie Flatliners with Kiefer Sutherland? Yeah, yes. He looks like the kid that chases him around with the hockey stuff. <laughs> so Billy still thinks his mom and dad are in still, this empty yeah, house Billy that he just wanted to like, This is a random house. Like, Mom... Dad, you guys set up a party at the place I just stumbled upon after a guy tried to molest me in the woods. And now you're just hiding for no reason. (laughs) So he opens the present and in the present is a severed head and it says, happy birthday, Billy. Billy screams, runs away. Whoa, crazy. So the caravan, the two cars, they finally pull in to the driveway of the old house. Uh, Peter the Square says, we're going to get in trouble. But they also convince themselves that this house is empty for no reason. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so let's just set the scene uh, with the couples. As I said, we have uh, the square, Peter. Yeah. And he's paired off with Megan. Megan. So you have Megan in the square. Megan in the square. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. You have Duke, who is driving the other car. Uh, his girlfriend is Linda. I was just going to say, Duke looks like the lead singer of uh, a Belmont's doo-wop group. From the 60s, he's got like a pompadour, and he's wearing a, a leather or pleather <laughs> whole outfit, top and pants. And it's Linda, amazing. his girlfriend, I was calling her sweater puppies, because <laughs> this girl is constantly busting out of her low-cut sweater. <laughs> yeah, as I said, this is a group, they're all white, they're all mostly the same age, but they all dress yeah. completely different. Megan and the Square are like right out of Woody Allen's Manhattan. Age difference Duke, appropriate. <laughs> Duke looks like a reject from Solar Babies. Like it's like he wandered in out of the not too distant future or something. He looks like Joey Travolta's have... stunt double. Yes, absolutely. Then you have David, my oh. favorite character, and Adrian. David is dressed in a style that I would call Connecticut Coke Party casual. <laughs> he has white pants, white shoes, black socks. Yeah. And basically looks like the poor man's Burt Conley. He watched Pretty in Pink and was like, I want to be James Spader, but have none of it. the charisma. <laughs> There's Carol and uh, her boyfriend, Richard, who's basically, uh, oh, sorry, Carol and her boyfriend, Lewis, who's basically Cane of Fire. And then there's Richard and the puppet. Um, so the werecat, who now has a hook hand, we see, <laughs> finds Billy in the wood, starts chasing him, catches up to him right in front of an open grave, slashes him, uh-huh. knocks him into the grave, and starts shoveling dirt on his face and nothing else until he stops moving. <laughs> it's like, Billy, you get up at any time. It's like, I can't see. I can't see. I just wanted to, <laughs> Billy to be like, all right, you guys, you can come out now. This is part of it. This is part of the birthday Bob, party. Dad. You guys bury me alive for, is there a present in this grave? 
But Billy just, even though the dirt is only on his face, just lays there, lets it suffocate him. Billy had dies. he had big plans, big plans, big big plans. He's gonna be a shrimp boat oh, captain. Billy, dead too soon. So we go back inside to the quote unquote party, mm-hmm. which again is just them basically bickering with each other. Yeah. And at one point, uh, Megan actually says, "It's funny." I grew up with these people. <laughs> I was like regretting it, kind of like, <laughs> wow, how fucked up am I that this is where I come from? Oh, we should say too that the, the the people in the cars that we just described that are this real weird group. That's the first movie that was filmed for this. That's yes, the, all the stuff with the werecat, Billy, the old man. That's the, the creepy second guy in part. the woods, yeah. the woman in the coffin. And it, yeah, it, but it's all been edited like um, cross current. Like you know, he's so controlling all of this. So what yes. just dawned on me is when they pull over because the werecat throws a branch in the middle of the road. That when it, the film was originally shot, they just stopped for a branch in the road. Like there was no <laughs> know, reason it's for just that. Just a random branch. <laughs> <laughs> So there's some goofy hijinks at this party. They're bickering because they're always bickering. They find a decayed corpse in the closet. And because the the characters in this movie can convince themselves of anything, Duke is convinced that it's a dummy. Yeah. They're just like, why are you convinced of that? I don't know. <laughs> there's no reason. Like, why? Why? It's just like, well, it's pretty good, dummy. You know, but uh, come on. And none uh, of so- it, all these performances are bad, and the direction is is mm-hmm. is really really struggling because the, the cutaways are so. Nobody cuts. It doesn't make sense. There's never a part where they cut away, and then you're like, okay, I see where they walk from that room to that room. It's never that. <laughs> no. They're way too far away from where they just were. No, it, it doesn't make any sense. People get cornered several times and then are just fine. Or people are standing <laughs> like, inside a room and two people are just standing right outside the room going, we should go in there. I don't think we'll find a way in there. <laughs> so in this party, they find a Ouija board, which Carol identifies. She, she seems to know what it's all about. She identifies it as a communication device, to which David a.k.a. poor man's Burke Convy, says, communication with who? <laughs> this with man a big eye roll. was going for it on every line. Holy crap. Yes. There's a scene later where they're just standing around, and he is, like, jerking his arms yes. and twitching and jumping around and stuff. He looked like uh, the fucking chocolate squirrel from Food Fest. Oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> just like, why are you doing that? That's just pointless business. The Connecticut Coke Casual is perfect, because that guy was amped. Seriously amped. So this, they start playing with a board, and the old man, the warlock, starts speaking through the board and, and kind of... Uh, and the board predicts their imminent deaths. They're just like, you're, you're going to die tonight. Uh, and then suddenly he possesses Carol, who's the woman who's been working the board, and he turns her into a monster. So this is like our first kind of transformation scene. Sure. There's a lot in this movie. They look pretty good. Um, and she attacks, um, and the old man in the attic says, she will take care of the others, which again, he's really making some big assumptions here. <laughs> so like, yeah, and it doesn't necessarily work the, out. The, 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 storyline kind of falls apart that he's controlling them but he's also playing a chess game with them but it's because he needs their energy but if he could just control it anyway what's the whole point and he squeezes a white pawn to a black pawn of a chessboard and it's once you go block pawn you never go bakagon (laughs) thank you (laughs) good stuff 
Lewis is the first member of the group to die. Lewis is is just cannon fodder. Yeah, like I said. he runs out of the house and is immediately swallowed <laughs> into the ground by a grave. At which point, more people rise out of the ground. Uh-huh. He goes in, and they come out. Uh, so while they're all bickering, all of a sudden zombies attack, and the zombies actually don't attack. The zombies just kind of push them back into the house. Uh-huh, they drive them back into the, the house. The zombies want them to stay in the house. Yeah. They're there to just protect them and kind of make sure that they stay in there. Uh, to which we go back to the old man, and he says, just like a simple game of chess. <laughs> I'm like, I don't think we play chess the same way. No. <laughs> like, this is not how you play chess. Although I did see Kasparov do the opening zombie gambit one time, and it was it was pretty stunning. <laughs> This is the kind of movie where the budget is so low. They had one great location, and they had maybe yeah. two floodlights. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> and they had somebody who who kind of knew how to light a room, and that was it. That was all they had. I just don't understand how how did they get to shoot at this like historic house? It doesn't make any. I sense. was wondering, like, it was it a grant or something like that, or the place was about to be condemned? I don't know. Weird. Anyway, you, you um, think John Jay was just like somewhere ages and ages? That's how John Jay spoke. I don't know if you knew that, but somewhere absolutely. ages and ages hence, <laughs> a very low budget schlock horror film will be made here. <laughs> that is spot on, John Jay. Well, that's from spot my one man on. John Jay show. Well, you you're in touch with the character, and that's why. Um, so while they're all bickering, the woman in the coffin, remember the woman in white in the coffin, she starts to stir a little bit, and then she sees the old man and recoils from him. Yeah. And says, Stay away. I don't want you by my side. Mm-mm. Please leave me alone. And of course, he's a man, so he takes that as an invitation to get closer he, and not leave her alone ever. He's a, He's got some real men's rights activist vibes going on. Like <laughs> really? He just demands that she be with him, and he loves her so much, and she can't deny that. More puppet guy shtick. The puppet guy occasionally just pops up to do some puppet. He shtick. couldn't die fast enough for me to be honest. Really, I, he. There were a few fake outs. I got really pissed off. The way he does go is pretty awesome. Oh, that's my favorite part of the movie. Yeah. Um. So they decide now, clue style. Let's just all wander separately around the house sure. that's yep. trying to kill us. Mm-hmm. I mean, great idea, right? So they all kind of couple off, except well, you know, as you said. Uh, puppet guy and his puppet are a couple. So they do all a couple <laughs> while uh, the Carol monster is supposedly kind of creeping around trying to find them. Duke falls down a flight of stairs, but then, because Duke's got a Duke, he wants to fuck. It's like, damn, he just fell down a flight of stairs. You've like, just watched the ground swallow someone up and, and Carol desiccates into a mummy in front of your eyes. And you're like, yep. Time to get it on. Time to bone. Duke Green's got a Duke Green. So Duke is just fucking around. He's throwing a blanket to his girlfriend. Uh, She throws it back. He drinks some rancid old wine Mm -hmm. for some reason. Uh, And then puts a sheet over his head and says, Look at me. I'm Duke, the horny ghost. (laughs) (laughs) I hope that line was written. I hope somebody wrote that. It was like, fuck yeah. So while, oh fuck, who was Duke's girlfriend? Linda? Linda, sweater puppies. Yeah, so while Linda's laying on the ground, suddenly, boom, arms reach up from the ground mm-hmm. and grab her. And this creature leaps up from the muck and the more leap up. And it's a group of farting <laughs> muck men. Yes. 
The it's just guys made of muck, just like, and they look like they're going to be real slow at first because they're just lurching. Oh. Like you would expect a muck man to lurch, and then all of a sudden, like him and Duke have a fight, and it is like they go fucking. These at are it. violent. They go ham on the furniture in there. Like it oh, reminded really? me of Rawhead I, Rex, not just in the low budgetness, but when he took down that whole pantry. That's yes. how they treat, you know, support beams, tables. Like they're throwing <laughs> shit around. Yeah, I was like, there's one shot where I was like, damn, you're one of your talent almost got like his head ripped yeah. off. Like they're, they're, Duke almost gets really uh, hurt there. The subtitles um, but- in this though, they, it says screaming, yelling, and farting. <laughs> I, I, it's so great that these monsters just are constantly farting. Well, it was it They're kind of it was evocative farting. of how gross it would be to have monsters it's, come out of the ground. Yeah, I get that. So Duke fights them, but then Linda is able to melt them mm-hmm. uh, with water. So she kind of melts them down. Now we go back to the puppet guy who is now so desperate for comedy. He's doing mop and bucket slapstick. Oh my god. He's literally doing like tripping over mops and buckets as he's walking through a door. It's, it's, I mean, Jesus Christ, it's brutal. Um, I wrote, now let's see a human fart. Cause this guy was just like uh, the human embodiment of those muck men. Uh, and the Carol monster attacks. She attacks him again. Mm-hmm. She's constantly just creeping around and then attacking. Um, the woman in white leaves the coffin. She rejects the old man again. We're saying woman in uh, white, but it's a, it's a bride's dress it's a it's a gown it is yeah. it is but but when she I, was first in the coffin that was pretty well shot like yeah it was ethereal kind of she was coming alive again i thought that was a pretty good shot even though i hate i don't like that part of the movie that was to me the mm-hmm. the weaker part of the movie that whole yeah. kind of rip off of phantasm controlling what's mm-hmm. going on um the the bride stuff I thought was kind of okay. So we go back to David and Adrian. David, poor man's Burt Convy. This is the scene where he finds a bottle of blackberry flavored brandy on the ground and decides he's going to drink it. So this is my favorite scene of the movie. <laughs> so because he overacts so much, but he overacts his lines in like several different ways. So the scene starts with him popping up holding this bottle and he says, Finders, keepers, yeah. losers, weepers. And Adrian says, David, throw that crap away. To which she says, why? Because you say so? <laughs> She's like, it's probably bad. And he says, I don't give a damn, honey. It's it's a Cage-esque performance. He's just... It, he really is. It's yeah, untethered to any normal social behavior, and he's no. just spouting random shit. And it's also played off because she is not acting at all. This woman no. <laughs> she's just saying she's words. She's very tired of this stick. <laughs> Smoking a cigarette constantly. So back to Richard, puppet guy. He's trapped in a room. He says, either kill me or get the hell out of here, which you know I could relate to that. Uh-huh. Uh, and then he says, I got to take a leak. What the hell am I worried about? This joint ain't the Ritz. This whole place is a toilet. <laughs> so he pulls down his pants to pee, at which point the Carol monster sneaks up on him again. And he gets away again? I mean, it's like... It's weird. <laughs> continuity yeah. is just gibberish. Um, this is- so back to Megan in the square. Mm-hmm. And they find a dead woman hanging from a rope with a suicide note she's hanged herself and she's wearing the same white dress as the woman in white we figure out that this is the same woman 
probably. No, I think it was another group of travelers got stranded there. Oh, okay. Uh, Duke and uh, Sweater Puppies are walking by a staircase, and there's a door that shuts under the staircase. He's like, hey, it must be for midget dwarves or something. And it's like, <laughs> no, dipshit. That's just because it can't be any hot taller because it's under a staircase. <laughs> <laughs> I swear to God, this guy is just fucking dense. <laughs> so now we get another creature attack. This one is a little, it's like kind of a lizard monster, but it has a creature from the Black Lagoon face, and it jumps on David, who is the brandy guy. Adrian fights it off. She stabs it with a fireplace poker, and then she crushes it to death with a large You dresser. know that was supposed to be a few of them, right? It was supposed to oh, be. Oh, was it? Yeah, it was supposed to be that, like a, I mean, I was wondering because. It was supposed to be like a room full, but they obviously had one puppet that they were just using. <laughs> yeah, I don't it it was it was shot and edited in a very odd way, I will say, because it just felt like, okay, that's a thing. And then it got larger and then it got smaller, and then it just the yeah, the proportions changed. But yeah, that makes sense that it's supposed to be a bunch. Werecat, meanwhile, is watching this whole thing yeah. through the window. As he always did, he's just sort of skulking around throughout this, like watching things through the window. Like, why do you need to do that? <laughs> I don't know. It never quite works. That part never quite works. It, mm-hmm. There's one spot I thought when they first find the Ouija board and they're asking questions and they're like, how old am I? And he, he answers a question before the Ouija answers the question. 24, mm-hmm. you know, and then how old am I going to die? 24, you know, I thought that was okay. The rest of it, it doesn't add anything and it keeps trying to add. Ten- the, the other thing that it does is it explains why nobody can open doors. Like pe- there's several scenes where the John Jay estate was like, no, you can't go in that room. So they were acting like they can't open the door. <laughs> and then they sh- the, whoever shot later had the werewolf cat holding the other side of the door. <laughs> <laughs> like we didn't that didn't need to be explained that's okay i guess i just if the old man can see everything talk to them through a board control knows them. everything that's going to happening why the fuck do you need the werecat to be spying on them and, i don't like i just didn't get what his whole point why was. did the werecat whose name is kitty by the way why did he get to go kill billy and then he just gets to watch everybody else he does not do anything <laughs> to anybody else Oh, so back to the bride and Creon. Well, the answer is because he was shot two years later or something. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Creon says to the bride, we have many children. She says, what have you done? And who is their son? Why, it's that monster boy in the monk's robes who showed up like uh, an hour or so ago. (laughs) So there you go, twist. She's like, uh, I don't have any kids, at least none that I know about. Right. So Adrian is running through the house. Remember, David was killed by whatever that <laughs> yes, thing right, was. Right. Um, but then she has a vision of him in the hallway. He says, I'm fine. Uh, suddenly turns monstrous and grabs her with electric tentacles, yeah. melting her face, uh-huh. which was actually a pretty cool effect. Mm-hmm. Time-lapse claymation type stuff. Yeah, although I thought the Mac and Me mouth pucker of the monster was not a great effect. It was actually a little upsetting. Kitty was following Adrian around, and we find out that Kitty has spurs on his feet. They go jingle, jingle, jingle when he's climbing up the stairs. It's like, wait, he's a pirate cowboy? What the hell? <laughs> There's a lot of concepts going on. <laughs> he's a cat, werewolf, pirate cowboy. So the bride has kind of wandered off she ran off when the monster son walked in so she's now in in the house too 
And she's attacked in the basement by this old witch monster, which I, I thought this was one of the cooler looking ones. Did you? In the, in the film. Yeah. yeah. And it's just so it's weird. unlike the other ones because yeah. it's very puppet like. It's very um, Crypt Keeper. Not yes. Yes. Absolutely. And it's just laughing and screaming and it just pops out of nowhere and doesn't really make any sense or anything no. like that. Again, it just has this very nightmare. Yeah, kind of feel because there's no logical um, tangents. That's that what I appreciated it. about this. It was just a nightmare. It's each room has its own nightmarish thing, kind of cabin in the woodsy where there's all these different options, but mm-hmm. not explained, and it that which makes it even more kind of yeah, you know, no meta elements, no self commentary or genre comment. You know, it's just it's relentless. It just keeps going. Um, so Duke and Linda run into Megan in the square. Um, at which point one of them actually does say, this is a nightmare. Um, but does that stop Duke and the square from fighting each nope. other? No, absolutely not. They go the fucking town on each other. These guys are just wailing this on This is each a other. very practiced, rehearsed fight scene between a, a man in his <laughs> physical prime and a guy who's a substitute teacher on weekends. I don't know why he substitute <laughs> teaches on weekends, but that's the only job he can get. Yeah, the square, it, he has like a, a brown suit with like buttons on the sleeve. Elbow I mean, patches. he is really like, yeah, early 80s square. Like I said, he, he reminds me of like of like um, a, a character from like a Woody Allen film. I, I swear, like he's an accountant who pitched some money in and got, a lo- got some lines. Yes, probably. <laughs> said, I want to be the final girl. Um. So, meanwhile, the Carol Monster is back at the Ouija board. She's now just summoning monsters right and left. Yeah. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah, the the one we had from Parker Brothers didn't have the monster summoning <laughs> uh, powers, the one that we had when I was a kid. Um, meanwhile, remember that word, uh, Richard, puppet guy, is lured into a room by this Asian woman who just shows up and is like, I'm a prisoner, come with me. Estrella. And he's like, ah, sounds good. Meanwhile... Back to Duke in the square. They're still going to town on each other. And in the middle of this fight, the Carol Monster animates a Grim Reaper statue mm-hmm. that is holding a large scythe. Um, and it comes to life. And then the monster takes out Duke. Um, the square <laughs> saves them by literally leaping through the door. <laughs> this is like one of the coolest moves. <laughs> just like, the door! And he like leaps through the door. Like He just punches right through he the door. He goes Super Dave his... Osborne right through that fucking door <laughs> outside. <laughs> oh yes uh linda escapes as does megan but linda has a huge wound that was a cool effect Um, too when he swiped on her leg and the blood just starts spurting out of her leg too yeah not bad i also know his reaction while duke in the square fighting she's just like (laughs) oh you men Megan's like, should we stop them because there's monsters trying to kill us? And she's like, no, you got to just let them fight it out. (laughs) Duke Green's going to Duke Green. Duke's going to Green. Oh, wait, he's dead. Never mind. Um, So, and probably, you alluded to this earlier, I think this is the coolest scene in the movie. So this woman who has lured Richard away... She, he kind of catches him into this giant spider web and she very slowly transforms into a gigantic spider. Yeah. And w- which to me was kind of reminiscent, not just of like, you know, the thing and these other transformation movies, but kind of the mother alien from, from Aliens. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's like, it's an impressive, it, like, there, there's several different like layers and levels yeah. to it as well. Um, 
but yeah, she just turns into this gigantic spider, sticks one of her legs right into Richard and just sucks him dry. Like <laughs> literally at once he deflates. Yeah, that's it. Bye bye, Richard. But it's all practical effects. It's it is. It's, you can see it's, some of like how they shot it, but that doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. It's really well done when the legs start coming out of her body, and her head yeah. starts growing, and her eyes pop out. I I was into it, man. This was this was cool. Plus, it was creepy before that. She that actress was that, that was the one performance I would say that was pretty mm-hmm. good. Yes, I agree. And not just that Richard uh, dies a horrible death. I was so happy to see that. No, we, although that was very satisfying. I think just the one little problem, they didn't murder the puppet. That's what no. I was going to say. The puppet is left, you know, he'll never love again. <laughs> <laughs> so remember the Grim Reaper? Bye, he's back. He slices through the door. He chases the square, Megan and Linda. They run out of the window. They're now running on this kind of like balcony yeah, sort of trellis. area. It's not really a balcony, but yeah, trellis. Um, the square wrestles the Grim Reaper off of the roof, hits the ground, and explodes. That was awesome. Way too big. It was way too big of an explosion. It was I so fucking awesome. So fucking much. Because the, the Grim Reaper was the first thing where I was like, oh, that's kind of fakey looking. It's just like a Halloween yeah. costume. Just a guy in a costume. Yeah, but then when they threw him off and he fucking exploded, I was <laughs> like, hell yeah. This is <laughs> yeah, like Triple X when he rides a motorcycle over a shed and it just blows up for no reason. <laughs> just from the power of his motorcycle jumping. So, for no reason, because remember, narrative continuity is is not not a a, a big goal of this movie. They just start to figure out what's yeah. happening, oh. and they start to figure out how they could fight. Peter back. just this knows shit. Me, he knows. Yeah. he knows about a vial all of a sudden. Well, they wander into the old man's damning evidence room. Like, the whole room is like Creon's, if I did it, confessions of the killer. Like, this is all it is. Like, here's how I did it. I did this. Here's a picture of me with the Ouija board. Like, dude, really? On the Flophouse podcast, they call that the evidence dungeon. They talk about the movies where the killer has the evidence dungeon. That's where they keep all the shit. It it was this scene is really similar. It reminded me of the New Mutants, where mm. the film just realized, oh hey, it's the third act. Yeah, we gotta and, wrap up. Uh, the characters need to have all the knowledge right now. <laughs> like <laughs> they just need to know exactly what's happening and how they can fight back. Um, but whatever, the square is ready to fight back. He's like, we got to take the battle yeah. to Carol. Right. We got to go after Carol. Um, go back to the old man and his son. The old man says, are you ready to kill? And the son says, yes, father. Carol Monster attacks. She says, join us? And it, why? I don't and, know. But then the old man, we come back to the old man and he says, we no longer need Carol. <laughs> like, what? Fucking ghosts, Carol. <laughs> why not? I don't get it. So Carol does something. Yeah. Something this, emits out of her in head. In the original movie, this would be where they defeated Carol, right? But yes. they just kind of cut it this way to where Creon just abandons her so she dies. But everyone else dies? Well, I don't because think they died. Because this is the last time we see everybody in the movie. In the, in the original movie, that was probably before the Carol death. And right. then they, they defeat, like, because he's crawling to something. And they yes. just cut away right when he gets it. And I think in the original movie, he would have got it and then defeated Carol. Yeah, like he gets it and then she shoots something in his eyes. Well, he's like, she's shooting some kind of blue energy because that's the 80s. So well, yeah. everyone's shooting blue energy. She She's aging them also mm-hmm. as this is happening. Everyone's getting aged. 
Uh, it looks like it's she an <laughs> fights her. The board fights. The board fights back, and then she shoots some energy into his eyes, and that's just the last we see of any of these characters. Like they don't come back; nope. they're gone. This is it. I had to actually go back after the movie and be like, "Did they ever say what the fuck happened?" No, nah, he just shoots nope. them with some energy, and that's it. So there you go. Uh, we cut back to Creon, to which he says, "They are all my children." And I am their ultimate lord. What is your fucking plan here, dude? Like, wasn't this about reanimating the bride? Yeah, like, she's like, pretty reanimated. Lane. She's like all over the grounds now. But now his goal is to be their lord. I mean, Creon, have a plan. Big plan. When you fail to plan, plans. Creon, you plan to fail. That's what we're saying here. <laughs> so back to the bride, and she says, I now know. What I must do. <laughs> yeah. So she goes. You let us in right? on that. <laughs> I mean, why not? Let the screenwriter know. <laughs> so she goes back to Creon. She lures him in, and then bah stabs him in the head with a large needle. Uh, he screams bah bah bah. She crawls out the window. She climbs down to the ground very slowly. Climbs to the ground like really is climbing to the ground. You're like kind of worried about the actress's safety. Reaches the ground, and then suddenly another creature pops up and just goes. Mama. Uh, yeah, right. This <laughs> was creepy, but also just what the fuck. So she runs, and meanwhile, zombies are just pouring out of the ground. This is where, like, crazy fucking synth music. Oh, yeah. This is just takes over. It's thriller. This scene is, is wild. This is it's just thriller. Wild. It's like a long music video of zombies coming out of the ground and chasing. And it's longer than thriller, too. This goes on oh, for boy, quite it goes a bit. On. And. It's nonsensical mm -hmm. because the zombies grab her. Well, she basically sits there, watches them come out of the ground. They grab her. She gets away. And then they grab her again. Yeah. And then she gets away again. It, and then they grab her again. It's just filler. And she gets away again. It is. It's just man. I mean, it's all this stuff. Like, there's a lot of zombies. Yeah. There's several dozen zombies. They're all crawling out of the ground. And she's screaming and running. The Sith music is going crazy. Their so clothes it's, are it's, getting ripped you know, off. Impressively done, but also you're just like, what? Like, what is this? And again, the logistics are just—they don't make any sense. But I guess nightmarish in the sense that logistics usually don't make that much sense in your dream, where you're kind of like, why didn't I run? I couldn't run. And Running and not getting away is a is yeah. a big nightmare thing for me. And then running and then never being able to get to where I need to go. So right. it, it felt like that until finally then there's just one shot where she's like all alone. <laughs> it's like, oh, I, I guess she made it then. I guess she, she passed fine. the gauntlet of zombies. So, yeah, she does get away or she gets a little distance. She gets into a car to which I was like, <sighs> who is this guy? Hasn't she... Well, but hasn't she supposed to have been dead for oh, like no, that's right. decades? I was like, how does like, she know the fucking drive a car? Was she not like, what is this futuristic machine? Like, she instantly knows what it is, how to get into it. She's like, no bother. Nothing. Oh, like, is this an 83? This is nice. Oh, wow. Nice. So the car's owner shows up. He's like, get out of my car, you. And then he sees the zombies. He hops in the driver's seat. Ah, shove over. And he takes off with her. But wait a minute. Something's happening. Oh, he's possessed. Why? Why? It's the werecat. Mm -hmm. She screams. Remember the breathing crypt from the beginning? Burst open and out. Who comes out? But Creon laughing maniacally. We go back to the creepy boy. He's laughing maniacally. And we get this freeze frame final shot of Creon laughing maniacally. The end. That's, That's it. it. That's your movie. You can never escape. You can check out anytime you want, but you can never leave. <laughs> 
<laughs> Why did you come in the first place? <laughs> oh, boy. That is our film. Quirky, any final thoughts before we wrap it up and give our ratings? Uh, yeah, one final thought. This movie was stupidly named. I think it was like in that time, uh, there's Goonies, Gremlins, Gremlins, Munchies, Critters. Critters. Like you had to name Ghoulies was another one. You had to name your scary movie, something like that. And they didn't know what to name it. So they were Spookies. Spookies is stupid. It doesn't, doesn't work. Uh Uh-uh. No. I think, uh, you know, uh. A, a, a weekend at John Jay's, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Duke in the Square. I don't know. Something. Duke in the Square. M- 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 me again in the Square. <laughs> but yeah, stupidly <laughs> named. <laughs> I, I did not like the name. I did not care for that. All right, let's remind everybody of our rating system, run-of-the-mill bad film, dare, next level bad, double dare, and a movie we actually liked. Reverse dare. Corky, what's your rating for Spookies? Okay, so... Uh, I've let Ryan down several times in the past. I mean, we've both mm. kind of let Ryan down, but I think I hurt him. Mm. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't let people down. I'm going to say I enjoyed so much of this movie in the practical effects and the, the creativeness. Uh, it's nice to see a horror movie do a lot of cool things. Um, unique things, I, I should say. Um, but there's so much bad that, mm. uh, it's kind of middle of the road for me. So I got to give it a dare, but it, it's a dare with a, a, a mixed positive. It's more towards the the reverse. Yeah, fair enough. I'm going to give it a reverse dare. Atta boy. I thought it was actually pretty darn entertaining. Yeah, I mean, I really did not like the, uh, any of the characters. Well, David, Pearl Rance, Burt Condi, <laughs> kind of enjoyed him. <laughs> Connecticut Coke Party Casual David. Um yeah, didn't love the characters. The plot is complete nonsense, mm-hmm. but I really appreciated scene to scene how uh, detailed and how interesting all the creatures are. And again, not just the volume, but the variants. Yeah. Like they're really different in the the types of effects they're using and and the types of creatures they're creating and how these scenes um, build out. Again, not super successful, but it does kind of work as we we talked about on that level of it feeling kind of nightmarish yeah. in in a, in a way that is like, I mean, I'm evoking a great movie here, but Texas Chainsaw Massacre, not like it just has that legitimate feeling of like a nightmare playing out, like the the nonsensicalness of it, kind of is a weird backward strength right. of it in a way, and, and to me, um, it, it really harkens. Sorry to cut if I'm cutting you off, but I, no. it harkens like. To Rawhead Rex because that was a mm-hmm. a double dare production and everything, but I had so much fun with it. It was kind of the melding of the two, and that's where I'm at with this. But this one, I think there's more opportunity for people. You, you're either going to love this and have a lot of fun, or you're just going to kind of be like, "Oh God, this is just not working for me," you know? Yeah. So that's absolutely. why it becomes a dare for me. All right, so one dare and one reverse dare for Spookies. Again, thank you, Ryan L. Terry, yes. for the dare and for the donation. You are one of our favorites. And, yeah, and thank you for getting Schmied in the Urban Dictionary. Um, <laughs> Dan's curvy penis really appreciates that. Ah, why are you on it? <laughs> that is all we have for you on this episode of Dare Daniel, but we'll be back in two weeks to review another one of your spouse's dares. Until then, send your most sadistic or altruistic movie dares to us at daredaniel.com.
gmail.com and be sure to follow Dare Daniel Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, collectively known as the Schmied. That's a shortening of social media designed to save time for you, your friends, your family, and their friends and their family. Corky, funny story. Mm. I don't know if you actually knew this. Uh, Christopher Nolan's Tenet, yeah. the film Tenet, is actually inspired by Schmied. Christopher Nolan saw how everyone was saving so much time. He was like, damn, they're saving so much time. Yeah, It's like they're going backwards in time. Hang on. Hang on. And that's how that movie, it's a true story. I thought you were going to say it it's up. inspired because he was like, you know what? I'm just going to do a bit for a whole movie. Uh <laughs> Like and rate us on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast. You can read more of my movie reviews on the Dare Daniel website at daredaniel.com. And you really can. I actually have been reviewing movies mm-hmm. on there this year, which I did not really do last year. I was lying to you last year. Well, you could read old movie reviews, but new movie reviews now too. At daredaniel.com. Corky, it is your 13th birthday sure. this weekend. Yep. You have been uh, wandering through the woods. Mm-hmm. You came upon an empty house and expected a birthday party to be there for some reason. I got nothing else. What, huh? Catch me at all the Founding Fathers' houses. Uh, John mm-hmm. Jay's, Button Gwinnett, sure. Cotton Mathers. Uh, we're hitting everybody's <laughs> up, um, you know. <laughs> that sounds good for Dare Daniel. I'm Daniel Barnes. And I'm Quirky McDonald saying, uh, guys... You can come out now. Guys, I'm really waiting for my parents to still show up for my 13th birthday. (laughs) We love you. Thanks again, Ryan. Bye-bye.